He's phony, she's fake. That's the type of people I hate. Hey, 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 it's the Bronx Bias Podcast, episode 71. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 71 of the Bronx Bias Podcast. I'm your host, my name is Denzel, a.k.a. Harry Potter, a.k.a. Dubron James, and we are back like Jordan wearing the faux five. I want to start by saying thank you to everyone who tunes in who likes, who subscribes, who shares, and who supports. Thank you to everyone who is active and engaging with me on the social media platforms. I truly, truly, truly appreciate all of the love and all the support I receive from y'all. Thank you to all the essential workers out there busting their ass still. And finally, thank you to all the people who are out here continuously using their voices to affect change in a positive way. We always, 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 always have to start the shows with the thank yous because the thank yous are very, very, very important. Please do not forget your boy Denzel has official Bronx Bias Podcast merchandise available for purchase. You can visit the website bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com, B-R-O-N-X-B-I-A-S-P-O-D.M-Y-S-H-O-P-I-F-Y.com, bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com. Come check it out. Come fuck with me. I got hoodies on there. I've got t-shirts. I've got tote bags. I've got COVID masks and I've got stickers with much, much, much more to come. As I said before, you know, I'm an independent podcaster from the BXNY. So supporting the merchandise is just one of the great ways that you can help support me, help keep the podcast going the way that it is and help, you know, me help give me the ability to keep running the podcast the way that I do. Merchandise is very, very important to that. I understand, again, everyone's financial situations are different. So I'm only asking if you can, if you are able, check out the website, maybe purchase something. I would truly, truly appreciate it. And it just helps keep the podcast going the way that it is. But with all of that being said, 
We are going to have a great, 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 great show today, fully, fully packed, and I'm in an amazing mood, I'm in a tremendous mood, and I am ready to go. So let's get it. I am in a very, very, very good mood. Today's intro was an amazing, 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 amazing song from somebody whose price just went all the way up. It is called Who's Real by Jadakiss, Swiss Beats, and OJ the Juice Man off of the album The Last Kiss. Guys, if you did not see the epic performance on Versus by Jadakiss, Styles P, and Sheik Louch the Locks versus Cameron, Joel Santana, and Jim Jones Dipset, please go on YouTube and watch it. Jada Kiss was like Thanos with the Infinity Stones, bro. He was on another level. The locks were on another level. I did not have time last week to talk about it, and I really don't have much time this week to talk about it. But if you have not seen it and you're a hip-hop fan, please find it on YouTube and watch the performance. These guys put on a clinic, a absolute marvel on how to perform together, how to destroy your competition. Shout out to Jadakiss. Shout out to Sheik. Shout out to Styles P. They showed us who was realer again with Dipset versus the Locks. It was amazing. It was truly amazing. And again, I can't, I don't have much time to break it down for you. So what I will do is play you something from Fat Joe. Fat Joe, after the versus battle, did a great IG live full of jokes, humor, comedy of his recap of the night's events prior. And it is something to watch. So I took a small snippet of from his Instagram live stream talking about the verses. And I want to play it for you guys because I believe he really, he really, uh, uh, really recapped what happened in the verses battle really well. So this is a short clip from Fat Joe, Bronx legend, on what happened between the locks and Dipset on verses. But obviously... The locks are Jedis, and they thought everything out. Everything out. Jada wasn't drunk. Jada was focused. Styles is a vegan. Sheik is cock diesel. And so they said, what if they fuck with you, Sheik? At some point, they're going to say, Sheik, you're not Jadakiss. So Jewels goes and says, Yo, I don't want to hear Jadakiss. I want you. What about you? And the DJ goes, And Reservoir Dogs come on. And she start going, Ain't shit. What the fuck? We can't make this shit up. Holy shit! <laughs> it was incredible, man. It, it was incredible. Like, Joe, his IG Live after recapping the verses was like a 30 minute video, and it was just incredible. Like, he was just super amped and hyped up talking about the battle and everything. Like, it was great to see. If you haven't seen that, I think it's on YouTube too. I'm not sure, but if you haven't seen any of it, Please at least just watch the versus battle because 
it was crazy, bro. But Joe was, <laughs> Fat Joe, <laughs> he was having fun, man. He was like, Jada wasn't drunk. Styles is a vegan. <laughs> Sheik is cock diesel. <laughs> just great, man. It was just all around great content. Shout out to Swiss B. Shout out to Timberland. Shout out to Jada, Sheik, and Styles. And shout out to Dipset. Great, great, great versus battle. Now it's time for my favorite, 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 favorite segment of the podcast. It is called Bronx Facts. For those of you guys who do not know, or maybe it's your first time listening to the show, Bronx Facts is a segment I like to do at the beginning of each show, just to give one fact about the Bronx, New York, that people may not know, that people may have never heard before, just to try and show how many great things, how many great ideas, and how many great people come from the Bronx, New York. So, without any further ado, your Bronx Fact for today is the city of New York has an official television station run by the New York City Media Group and broadcasts from Bronx Community College. Cablevision operates News 12 The Bronx, and both networks feature programming based in the Bronx. The local public access television station, BronxNet, originates from the Herbert H. Lehman College, which is the borough's only four-year CUNY school. And BronxNet provides government access television and public affairs programming in addition to programming produced by Bronx residents. And that is your Bronx Fact for episode number 71. son where'd you find this all right all right we're getting right to it today we have a very 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 special guests his only special guests that appear here on the Bronx Bias podcast today we have a very special guest his name is Brandon Montez he is an entrepreneur a street librarian and the creator of the Norwood Community Library a Bronx book exchange program Brandon, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you for having me. I am great. I really appreciate being on. Uh, You know, everything's cool right now. Great. Awesome. 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 So, Brandon, can you tell the people where are some of the places they they can reach you if they want to get in contact with you or just to see all the work that the Norwood Community Library does? Absolutely. So uh, on Instagram, it's Norwood Community Library, one word. And on Twitter, it's Norwood BX Book. Also, find me every weekend. Uh, I always announce on the uh, Instagram or Twitter when we'll be uh, out tabling with the books. So every weekend, you'll find me on uh, Gun Hill Road between Wayne and Bainbridge. And then there's also a little free library at 3400 Reservoir Oval East. And you can reach that throughout the week whenever you'd like. Great, great, great. So, so Brandon, the first question I like to ask everyone who comes on the show is about COVID because the the last year that we had of 2020 and even into this year, COVID has been the biggest, like the biggest subject in the world. So for you as an entrepreneur and a person who deals with books and the exchange of books with people, how has COVID and the last year affected you personally and how has it affected your business? Um, well, I mean, I don't know if I would call what I do a business. I kind of like to call it mutual mutual aid, mm-hmm. um, also like an exchange program. Because uh, I don't really, I don't, I don't make any money off this, and I don't plan to. 
Um, but I would say that like everyone, COVID impacted uh, the Norway Community Library immensely. We even had to shut down for a little bit because I needed to figure out what was even the future of this. Um, in the past, I would chain two bodega crates, like bodega book crates or milk crates to, the, uh, to a fence near a bodega. And I had permission from them. And I would have between you know, five and 20 books in each crate and people were welcome to take a book or leave a book. But I felt uh, a lot more responsibility once COVID struck by. Now I table with the books and I always announce in advance when I'll be tabling. But believe it or not, I actually give out more books since COVID because libraries were shut down and also, you know, people are home a lot more. So um, now and it's, instead of giving out somewhere between you know, uh, 20 to 40 books, I would say on average, we give out about 70 to 100 uh, each weekend in, in a few hours. And um, I used to wrap them up in plastic because I thought that was more careful, but we learned that's not how the disease spread at, over time. Um, I also have Lysol ready in case anyone wants me to spray their book. And I also give out free masks because this is such a confusing time and I want to help as best I can. So if anyone's interested in addition to a free book, they can have a free face mask. Awesome. That's great. You, and you do all of that on your own. It's all, I mean, I do have volunteers here and there, but for the most part, it's on my own. That's great. Like that is just a great initiative. If you're very thorough with that offering Lysol and free masks, like that's amazing. I think that's great. Yeah. I would hate for someone to get sick because of me you know i also you know i get tested regularly i'm vaccinated as well um i try to be as safe as possible and um this is about providing love and nourishment so i don't want anyone to get hurt and so you know i i, I would say you know being as clean as possible is part of our you know best practice for the community library right right i agree i agree so, Brenda, um, you know, I want to know about you, man. I want to know about your journey. I want to know what led you to this point. I want to know what are the all the sort of ins and outs that go into a being or go into being a street librarian. So um, the first question I want to know from you is what inspired you to start this movement with the Norwood Community Library? What made this spark in your mind and what what was the chief motivation behind getting all of this started? Awesome. Well. I like to call myself the street librarian and, uh, you know, I work in social work, so I'm all about empowering others. And also I'm a lifelong Bronxite. You know, I, um, really, I have a Bronx tattoo on me, as you can see, or you guys are listening to the audio, but there it is hey. uh, on the zoom. I love the Bronx. I'm born and raised here. And, uh, I thought, how could we help? How could, how could I help the Bronx and, you know, as well as other people come together to help the Bronx. So I thought about the different things we face as a borough. And for a long time, we didn't have uh, a single independent bookstore in the Bronx. You know, we, um, there used to be that Barnes and Noble on co in Co-op City, but that turned into a Saks Fifth Avenue. And you got to ask yourself, well, who's that really for? And then right. ended up failing as well. Um, so it made me ask myself, what is our relationship with reading? We have a very low literacy rates here and, um, we don't have a bookstore. Well, we have one now, 
but you know, we didn't have bookstore and like libraries are awesome, but what is something more that could be done? And so, uh, you know, anyone who is an avid reader, I would say has a few extra books they don't mind getting rid of. So I used to, I had a few extra books that I didn't mind sharing and, um, and I created social media for it. And I just started leaving the books out with the little crate and a sign for people to take a book and leave a book. I've seen that other places. Why not the Bronx? And it uh, balloons into, you know, a whole other thing with, you know, a lot of community coming from it. And um, I'm very proud of uh, the progress we've made. Um, as I mentioned, on the weekend, we give out somewhere between 70, 100 books in a few hours every week. And we have virtual book clubs. We've done two food drives during the pandemic. And uh, I'm looking to maybe do uh, a few more food drives in the, you know, depending on, on how things go. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of taking things day by day, you know. Um, and so basically, you know, this is a mutual aid approach to getting people to read at, on a street level. You know, like a, another barrier to reading, I would say, is the price. Uh, books can be expensive. Bookstores are amazing. They're so much fun. But not everyone can afford that. And again, libraries are amazing, but we, I just wanted to have something more, something extra uh, for the people. Right, right. And that's that's and that's an amazing like um, motivation to have. That's an amazing initiative to start because you saw something that was missing and you took the steps to make it happen. Right. You didn't care about the notoriety or anything. You're just like, hey, I want people to read. Here's something for it. You know, I yeah, it's not about the cloudy. You know, it's about <laughs> getting people to read. You know, the same way with podcasts. I um, in the beginning when I first started, I was looking around, who is from the Bronx doing pods, just so I could like talk to them and get like a little bit of a little bit of knowledge, a little game, and it was like so scarce. And I was mm -hmm. like, wow, like it's really like, there's not many people here. So it's like, all right, boom, I want to do this for myself. This is a passion of mine, but also just to try and put a voice to the Bronx, if that makes sense. Like, just try and say, okay, this is a guy who's from here. He has a different perspective on it, different than maybe mainstream media. Maybe this could be something that you can grab onto and learn a little bit of something about the Bronx. That was my, you know, my thing. And then when I talked to more people, whatever they're doing in life, they always say the same thing. Well, yeah, you know, the Bronx doesn't really have this, or the Bronx doesn't really have that, and the Bronx doesn't have this or that. And I'm just like, wow, like, there's so much that we offer, but there's so much that we don't have at the same time. And gr gratefully, we have movements like yourself and mine and whomever else out here just trying to change the narrative. And I really appreciate that. Thank you. And, you know, uh, I would say if we think back to um, all the, the, re the rich history of the Bronx has, this is a borough that changed the entire world. So, um, you know, it deserves, uh, it deserves these things. I agree. I agree 100%. My next question for you is what do you want to convey and what would you, or what would you like your overall message to be with the Norwood community library? What is the big picture or the mission statement uh, that motivates you or keeps you so ready and active to do all the work that you do? Well, basically, um, you know, based, uh, to change this narrative that we're crime infested, downtrodden, or all 
So just the just the the Yankee Stadium and the zoo, you know, we're a community of readers and we're a very diverse community um, that has a lot to offer and, you know, you shouldn't just write off. Right, right. I I do every show um, in the beginning part, I do something called Bronx Facts, where I just give one fact about the Bronx. And the amount of people who like, will message me and be like, I'm lying was like crazy to me because I mean, I suppose this because when you consume it in media, you watch TV or movies or whatever. Every time that the Bronx is portrayed, it either just shows the Yankees, the Bronx Zoo or poverty and crime. And so I would tell people facts about the forests and the, you know, land, the uh, population, like if the Bronx was a city by itself would be the ninth largest or you know, people like Stan Lee, who's from the Bronx, creator of Marvel Comics, and people would literally send me messages and tell me that I was lying. And I was just like, I need to continue to do this because there are so many people out there who just don't have knowledge, and the knowledge that they do have is very limited. So this is clearly something that I can't stop doing on the show, like, because just a matter, the amount of misinformation that's out there is like super wild to me super wild so that was just in my small way to like all right here's a little something here's here's this here's that you know hey did you know that the lincoln monument the lincoln monument that's in dc was made here i made right here but um, you know i i I listened to a past episode you mentioned Edgar Allan poe you know he has his house right on kingsbridge and he moved here to the bronx to get away from uh, the dirty air of the city. I mean, who, you know, I, I wonder what he, his thoughts would be now. <laughs> but uh, you know, Edgar Allan Poe lived here and wrote here. And, you know, Audrey Lord spent a good amount of time here. Uh, James Baldwin went to Clinton High School. Stan Lee went to Clinton High School. You know, even Mark Twain, I think, has some uh, some some Bronx roots. Uh, I forget in what capacity, but I, I did, did remember reading that somewhere. So my apologies for not having that prepared but uh there's a there's a uh, and you know we're continuing to build on that history as well you know um and unfortunately these us you know us getting written off is you know it's unfortunately based in white supremacy and uh, and stuff like that so you know we have to work hard to, to to fight that because you know it's it's not it's not the truth it's 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 a, it's a beautiful place and uh it's a place that we can that we can uh, come together in. let me tell you if you're running for some kind of public office you got my vote already uh, no i would never already that's such, a, that's such a dirty game but i <laughs> i you know i do appreciate that but i you know um i i do i do love it here you know um I live walking distance from the botanical garden. That's a great escape from the entire New York city. Um, Oh, also here's another literary thing. So I'm also near Woodlawn cemetery, Herman Melville, the guy who wrote Moby Dick, he's buried right there. You know, uh, in addition to Celia Cruz and, and, and uh, a bunch of other noteworthy names. So there are a lot of people who call the Bronx home in this life or the next. And uh, you know, there's a reason for that. Right, right, one hundred percent. I agree with that, one hundred percent. And it's and it's just great to have this kind of conversation with somebody in the know, like somebody who's aware and like un- fully understands, you know, what's going on or what hasn't been happening here. That's just that's amazing. But to piggy off of that question, my next one for you is: 
how important then is it to you to highlight the borough in the of the Bronx with your movement? How important is it to you to let people know that you're a Bronx guy? This is an organization that started in the Bronx and that you're Bronx first. How important is that to you? Uh, it's tremendously important. I would say that not only this is always, uh, you know, this, this, this organization is based in the Bronx and it's always going to be free um, and for the people of the Bronx. And um, I also like to highlight Bronx voices with uh, putting up quotes and painter's tape. It's a non-damaging way to, you know, uh, you know, have some public art for, for us. I, I use painter's tapes to put quotes around the neighborhood and I've highlighted people like Edgar Allan Poe, Audre Lorde, James Baldwin, Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, Toni Morrison, who I think died in the Bronx. He died in Montefiore Hospital. So I think it was the Bronx location, but I'm not sure. But um, if you're a Bronx voice, you know, I'm, I'm interested and uh, we need that representation. And so that's why I like to like talk to people like you because I know that you understand the whole history. I know that you understand the importance of the bringing the positivity to the to the forefront. And I know that you can like really talk about your experience and how much, you know, how much lack that we actually have. And so I really think that like you know, putting out the the highlighting of the creativity and the innovation and the knowledge and all the impactful people that come from here is something I try to do all the time, but it's also good to like hear it from other people who are like on the same page with that because two voices is obviously stronger than one. And we're a whole community of people who just haven't had the opportunity to put our voices out there. And then once we do though, it's gonna be like, bang, like we there, we on. And that's why it's so important for me to talk to people like yourself. Yeah, I, I would say um, for part of what I do is for people to you know embrace their, their embrace the creativity they have within themselves, but also reopen you know the curiosity for life that they have as well, you know through books. Right, right. That's something I agree with as well. Um, my next question for you is, what are some of the shortcomings or pitfalls that you had to try and overcome when you first started this book exchange program? What were some of the more difficult things that you had to like hurdle? just to get everything running or to get it running more smoothly? Yeah. Well, thankfully I don't need really much money to run this um, because it's, I'm just giving out books, you know? And when I have needed money, I've used GoFundMe to you know, either help provide food or, uh, you know, again, the face mask or something like that. So, but for the most part, I need very, very uh, little money to, to do this. So that's also helped it like you know live on um but as far as hurdles some people thought i was crazy doing this uh i had uh one person at the bodega tell me what are you gonna do you know if someone calls the cops on you and i was like i'm just giving out books on the street that's fine you can i looked it up you can do that and um you know or sometimes people still are in disbelief that there's just something for free on the street with no strings attached uh you know it's it's foreign unfortunately um what else one time when i was setting up uh, a dog peed on the crates or sometimes you know i have to deal with the the rain i don't i don't set up during, during it when the weather is as bad or uh now that i table with the books if it's below 45 degrees like i yeah. really can't out there you know but now we have the little free library at 3400 Reservoir Oval East. So that's there every day. 
even on days where I'm not tabling. And right. I only table on the weekend because I have a I have a you know a regular job as well. Um, so I guess those are some of the uh, some of the barriers. But I've you know I've had some different strategies to help me uh, you know tackle those barriers. Right. Good. It, and everything like every tr- new thing that you try is going to come with obstacles. Like you can't yeah. control the weather. You can't control where the dog wants to go. You know, What's he smells COVID? it. And COVID, mm-hmm. yeah, the most unpredictable thing ever. Yeah. No I, one predicted this. I would love to have a book club in person, but for the most part, we've always done it online. But uh, next month, we are doing a walking tour of Morrisania with Dr. Mark Nason of Fordham University. Uh, so that that will be a chance to, to you know, meet people who have participated with the book clubs or just want to uh, get a tour, walking tour of the Bronx. So um, there are many different problems in this world but there's just as many answers as sometimes we have to just work to to, to get to answer that that call right, right also can you repeat it again when will be your walking tour so the people if they want to go they can come it's a sunday september 12th yeah mm-hmm. sunday september 12th uh we'll meet at casa amadeo at 11 a.m awesome awesome that's great see you got now you you got you got everything you got everything like you got the backup in case you can't table you got places to take people on tours. You got free masks. You got Lysol. You got everything. You figured it out. I mean, thankfully, you know, with the support of, because uh, it, it's, it's um, I do appreciate the praise, but I would be nothing if it weren't for the community. So I would say I want to shout out to everyone who's either taken a book or leaving a book or shared a post or donated any money. Um, I would, you know, I've, I've needed you as, uh, you know, and, I'm, I'm sincerely thankful for, you know, all the support. Right. Great. Great. We would be nothing without the people who support us. That's true. If yeah. no one listened to the show, you know, I just be talking to myself. So I agree with that. My next question that I have for you is what advice would you give to a young person who wanted to seek you out uh, and they wanted to start their own creation? They wanted to start their own movement. What is one of the best p- pieces of advice that you could offer to a young mind? who just wanted to create something similar or maybe even different than what you did? Well, first off, I'm also open to someone else creating their own community library as well, because I'm just in Norwood. Let's say you live in, you know, Morrisania. Let's say you live in, I'm originally from Fordham Heights, you know? So if you uh, want to give out books there, we can, we could chop it up if you'd like. Um, because the thing about mutual aid is that, you know, it's for everyone. And uh, I stand by that. But if someone wanted some advice on how to get started, I would say, you know, get ready to take that risk. And, you know, I also was ready for this not to work out, but thankfully it did. And also, depending on what you want to do, it's great to get friendly with local businesses as well. I have the support of the bodega and the pizza shop on the block we uh, we set up at. So, um, you know, get as many people as involved as you can if it's like, you know, something with regarding the community, if it's a business or something like that, I would, or something similar to a business, I would say, you know, try to look at the the different needs of your community and how you can meet those needs. Right. That's that. And that is sound advice. Every community has different areas of need. So one Mm -hmm. may not have access to a library, but another one may not have access to PPE. Another one may not have access to, you know, other things like that. So, yes, each research is always the most important thing that I try to tell people, like, 
And I would also say, don't forget the power that you have, you know, with, uh, we have a lot of different advantages now with, you know, things like GoFundMe and social media and stuff like that. We, you know, we can do more good just by our little selves, uh, have more power than like these governments or, you know, fancy nonprofits or something like that by raising the money ourselves and finding out the needs of our community and getting that out there on the street. Straight up, straight up, just like that. Straight yeah. up, just like that. Um, my next question that I have is what keeps you motivated in this space? What is the one thing or multiple things that always say, you know, I'm getting up, I'm going, I'm getting up, I'm going, I want this to keep going. I want this to push this as far as I can. What is your chief motivation in keeping this street library program alive? Well, I would say it's to things that motivate me. It's to you know, uh, continue showing up for the Bronx, to continue being there for my community, to help empower the people around me, to spark the interests of, you know, people who maybe don't, you know, want to read. That's, I like, I like, you know, I got like a young teenager into Dostoevsky one time. That was like, you know, the highlight of that afternoon. Uh, and again, getting people to reopen their curiosity about literature and life and stuff like that, that's rewarding to me. And then on a personal level, I study Buddhism and uh, I would say these merits are for everyone. So doing good things does feel good. And, you know, um, you know, I lost my father when I was very young. And if he's out there roaming, so roaming somewhere, I would say, I would like to think that some of the good things I do might maybe even help. So um, that's more of on a personal level, like why I do good things as well. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'd love to show up for the Bronx. I love it here. I love the people here and I'm, uh, going to, you know, I love providing this resource and it's its own thing. I also love the freedom. I can wear whatever I want. When I give up books, I set my own hours, you know, I could say whatever I want and, I, you know, I don't have to answer to a board of directors or don't different donors and stuff like that. So that's also, I would encourage people who want to do something similar, that there's a lot of freedom. Yes. That was the biggest thing for me when I start. I made the, the commitment to myself that I'm going to do this podcast full time. When I realized, oh man, I work when I want to work. I, there's no dress code. There's no law. There's no uh, hand, employee handbook. There's no lateness penalties. There's no, there's no hierarchy. There's no office politics. I was just like, wow, like this is the first time in my life where I felt like I was really living, like, you know, not just living to go to work, not just trying to plan my life around the two days a week that I had off where I was like living every day, experiencing every moment. And at the same time, doing something that I was really extremely passionate about. And I've, I, that's like the ultimate blessing to me beyond whomever likes to tune into the show and stuff. It's just like, yo, I'm all doing this on my terms. And that's like the best part of it for me as well. Yeah. Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, he's a Vietnamese Buddhist writer. He talks about finding your true aspiration. And I would encourage everyone to take some time to reflect on that. Um, and with projects like these, you could say that you're, you know, actualizing on your true aspiration. Right. Right. That's great. That is great. My next question for you is 
how can we leave a path for the future generation of people? How can what we're in our movement or what we do on the side or whatever, how can we leave a path for the future generation, the people that's going to come up behind us? I always look at it like you want to make sure that you're available. Like if someone hits me on Instagram and is like, hey, I just got a few questions about potting. I want to make sure that I take enough time to, to really help them and to really like encourage them. Maybe, oh man, you know, I always want to do a podcast, but I'm, you know, I'm nervous or, you know, who's going to listen to me? I always want to take the time and just give encouragement, give sound advice and give motivation out for the people who want to come up after me. I, I think that's very important. I just think that giving out all the game that you have to the next man is the most super important. So in your opinion, how could we leave a path for the next generation of people who want to come up behind us and do not just library work, not just mutual aid, not just a podcast, but anything that they want? Well, I would say that we need to continue showing up for um, what we're doing and for our communities, but also uh, let's not dismiss the youth. Um, one thing that was a criticism I had of adults growing up was that, you know, adults don't think that they're wrong. Adults um, are always like, well, this generation, man. But we fail yeah. to realize that we raised these generations afterwards. And, you know, just like we, um, we had our challenges, they have their challenges. So I would say continue to show up for your communities, but also don't dismiss uh, what people are going through and, you know, what younger people are going through and, and talk to them. Don't talk down to them and, you know, try to get on the same level of, uh, you know, what you both believe in. Right. Right. I think I, and I think that's true, too, because I remember as a kid, you know, you just don't question authority. That was one of the things I was taught. You don't question authority. And then when I got a little older. Right. And I was like, you know, maybe early 20s. I was like, well, why not? Like, you know, what if the person in charge is saying something or doing something that's wrong? I'm just not supposed to question it at all. And then when I have young young people around me or if I have kids, am I going to tell them the same message? Oh, just do what you're told. You know, obviously within reason, like, I don't think that that's right at all. I don't think that that is uh, putting out empowerment into young people. I don't think that's empowering them at all. Like, Oh yeah, no, just do what you're told. Don't do, don't say anything. Don't talk out of turn ever. And just like, so you're going to have a whole bunch of people just walking around like sheep. Like, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. And I think something like a podcast where I just come on and talk like freely is something that I've seen other people grab onto and be like, dang, like, you know, I have opinions too. I have my own way of looking at the world as well. And I think that is important. The exchange of people who just are independent thinkers and have their own way of thinking about things or how they see the world is different. You may see things different from me. So you should have the opportunity to speak about it. You should have the opportunity in the space to be comfortable and say, I think this. I think, you know, if you think the sky is red, even though everyone thinks it's blue, that's up. That is what you think. And so I just think it's very important for young people to always feel like they their voices need to be heard or making people want to hear their voices because they're the future. You know, we're only on here for a short time. The people who's after us are the most important. And so like with the Bronx, I want to make an environment where young people 
are empowered to do a whole bunch of different things in the world and not be trapped in these you know, boxes that other people have created for them. Speaking of young people and having their voices heard, uh, I recently saw on the Norwood News uh, that, and I posted about it on the Instagram, that the, let's see here, there's going to be a public hearing on voting on August 18th. So young New Yorkers are invited. So that's one opportunity for uh People from the age New Yorkers from 14 to 25 to provide their thoughts and concerns about voting and local government. Um, so I highly encourage any, any younger voters listening to uh, hit that up. Right. Great. That's great. I've done so many episodes on my show about voting. Like I've read so many things about voter suppression and, you know, why these things are in place. Like, you know, you got in Texas and other states, they're trying to do the new voting laws to try to slow down. It's, it's so obvious to me that they're just trying to stop black and brown people from voting. It's the most obvious thing in the world to me. And I've done so many shows about that. So that's great information. And I'm going to make sure I say that again at the end of the show, um, oh. just because I think voting is super important. It's super important, I think. And people need to know more about it. Yes, there's a reason why some of the powers that be are start trying so desperately to stop people from voting, you know, so that they can secure their power. Exactly. Um, so, you know, talking about living your true aspiration, but also realize the power you have, the, you know, you, you have a lot of power with the voting booth, but also, you know, it can be, I won't deny that it can be uh, disheartening and disenfranchising sometimes with some of the, you know, representation out there. So, but we, we do got to um, work together and, you know, uh, you know, if more younger people got involved, you know, perhaps, you know, more voices would be heard as well. So, you know, they have, a, they have a lot of power that they, that, that I, you know, I hope they realize. 100%, 100%. My next question that I have for you is who are some of your role models in this space? If any, are there any people who you have studied or that you have paid a lot of attention to that have helped you in this space or have helped you just get the the urge and the desire to come out and do things in the, in the community or in the world. Is there anybody like that for you? Um, I will, you know, there's the obvious Pura Belpre, who's the first Puerto Rican librarian, you know, um, but also, you know, I'm, I, I look up to, uh, I'm a really big fan of Jose Martí's writing in Cuba. He was this poet, but he was also revolutionary. And he had the last thing he wrote was called war diaries. He, um, you know, loved Cuba so much that he went and fought for that revolution. He was not a soldier. He was a, he was a writer, you know? Um, so that was very motivating there. But then also on, you know, on a personal level, I would say my own grandmother, uh, she's um, a Jehovah witness, uh, but also the sweetest person I ever met ever. And that has walked this earth. And, you know, she's very dedicated to, you know, whether you agree with, you agree with uh, them or not, but she's very dedicated to doing good. And so she's con been consistently out there for like 45 years and, wow. you know, talking about God and stuff like that. And again, whether you agree with them or not, she's just trying to do good and help people. So that's also part of my inspiration and part of the reason why I continue to show up with that, you know, with that example in mind. Wow. You never know how much your parents like really affect you, right? You don't think about it until you get older. Like, but my, I have a similar, my grandmother, she was very active in church and she was always active with people 
like, you know, if they needed food or if they needed, you know, clothes, she would help. She would be participating in the church drives. And it always showed me, like, if you want to be active and dedicated to helping others, you can. I picked that up from a young, just being able to, like, see her do that and always, like, never complained about it. Bringing, you know, pans of food in for people who needed, helping yeah. get clothes for people who needed. And just like, wow, like, you know, this is my, this is my grandma doing this. Like, this is like, it really impacts you. And then when you get older, you don't even realize now I'm doing the podcast and I'm telling people, you know, go vote or, you know, go here, go there. We're doing this. We're doing that. And it's just like, I wouldn't have picked that up if it wasn't for her. Look, watching her do these things. And that is very important. Very, very important. It's always good to have people who have done things prior to kind of show you the way to kind of like, you know, leave it out for you. And, and that's like something that is very impactful, especially to young people, because young people are sponges, you know, they watch everything that you do and whether it's good or bad. So it's very important for us to continue on the role that we are so that hopefully we could be role models. I would love 20 years from now to be like, yeah, you know, I started my show because there was this guy from, you know, 2020 who started his own show and was just trying to uplift his neighborhood. That would be amazing to me. And so I think that is just extremely essential. So moving right along, you guys can follow me and hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at Rogers Neighborhood. Instagram is R-O-D-G-E-R-S, Neighborhood, N-E-I-G-H-B-O-R-H-O-O-D. Twitter is the exact same, except no vowels in Neighborhood on Twitter. And what I do every show is, Brandon, I answer questions from the listeners of the show. It's a great way to keep them involved. It's a great way to keep them engaged. It's a great way to like break up just the my voice for an hour and a half straight answering fun questions from the listeners. So what I want to do with you is have you answer some of the questions that the listeners want to know from you. So the first one from the listeners that I have for you is what is one of your more wildest stories from childhood? Okay. Well, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I live in Norwood, but I'm originally from the Fordham Heights area and you would go on to go to Fordham university um, so I'm originally from 184th and Marion, to be exact. And I remember when I was 10 years old, uh, sitting, looking out the living room window, and uh, there was a three-car car crash that happened. Wow. Yeah, um, this guy, he came uh, driving through in, a, I would say, like a regular-sized car, and then crashed into an, S, an, like an SUV and another car that was parked. And I was like, what? You know, like, uh, I'm like 10 years old. This is the wildest thing I've ever seen that wasn't on TV. And uh, then, you know, you you wait a few minutes, he gets out, and then he just starts running, and he runs into the uh, projects that are right there on 184th and Marion. And then, like, two or three minutes later, the police drive up, and they start, they run into the building, too. And then about, like, 20 minutes later, they, they got him, but the scene of the th- of the three you know uh, toppled cars and him uh, you know bleeding from the mouth, uh, it was like such a vivid childhood memory <laughs> at ten years old. You know, I would say that's like probably the wildest thing I saw then. Wow! So it was like an episode of Cops in real life. Yeah, I mean, not to not to be uh, you know advocating for copaganda, but you know, <laughs> but that was just like an episode of like let's say. Let's say some random movie that you saw on TNT, you know, or something like that. 
because you know I don't know even I didn't even know what led up to that incident there. I just saw that all fold out the one random afternoon at ten years old. I love that. Not advocating for cop again. I've never heard that before. I love that. <laughs> Copaganda. That is true though, because there is so much you, you don't even think about how much of that there is. Like all these it's crime like, shows, all the crime yeah. movies, all the movies about the war and the fight against terror and all these things. It's like programming you like to think that cops and law enforcement is good. Like that's yeah. crazy. I'd never it, even there, there I would say we gotta walk uh, in a balance. You know, walk the line there, but there's definitely is programming done on people with you know through these through these media outlets. Wow, I didn't even I didn't even think of that like propaganda. Wow, I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> That's great. That is a great phrase. They need to trademark that phrase. Whoever came up with that, that was amazing. <laughs> My next question from the listeners that I have for you is: What horror story do you have from a job that you have previously had in the past? So before I was the street librarian, uh, before I found social work, I worked so many different temp, go- temp, jo- uh, temp jobs and they were the worst ever. And like, um, for example, one time I got paid um, and this was post-college. I got paid uh, for two days to make uh, model dinosaurs for a luxury bad company that i won't mention um and i was like what is life but also i used to work at a call center at night in jersey city and i was a temp but the team didn't want to handle firings so i would they would just make me do it because i was a temp so i had i had let go of like something like 200 people and i would i would always try to give people dignity but as you can imagine it's so awkward and so uncomfortable um to tell people that you know um, it's they're gonna get, get let go so that was a very big horror story and i'm very sorry to those people like uh but also they let me go too so you know it, it was it was uh it was just a toxic environment i'm so glad i'm not working there and i'm so glad that uh, to be working somewhere else whoa they made you as the temp fire employees like full-time employees no it was other temps though but the temps oh. thought I was always I was on the um, full time team, but I wasn't. I was I was just a hired gun. Wow! They made you. They turned you into a mercenary. Yeah. It's wow. Like a squad, but not as good. <laughs> wow! That's that's crazy. That's something I've never heard before. Wow! Yeah. They made the temp fire the. Uh, <laughs> wow! I, corporate the corporate world, man. It's really just not for me. And there's just so much, you know, things that go on in it. It's just like, it really has turned me off and given me such a sour taste about it. It really has. I agree. Wow. And my last question that I have for you from the listeners is, what is the most annoying habit that other people have? Well, I don't want to sound like a snob or a curmudgeon, but I got to say, People riding these motorized bikes on the sidewalk is dangerous, all right? And it's not, it have it has motor and wheels, it belongs on the street. You're gonna hurt somebody if you haven't already. And so it's a pet peeve of mine, actually. Yeah, man. I mean, now you know, DoorDash and seamless Grubhub and Uber Eats they go crazy. So it's great, you know, people making their bread, but if you see barely pe- they take so many fees out that thing. 
Right. Too. And that's true too. And, um, you know, I do, you know, I guess there are more opportunities to find work now, but at the same time, like it's not so, it's not so gainful. So, and these companies make so much money, but you know, you do, you got to do what you got to do at the same time uh, to pay your bills. But yeah, I mean, I, I empathize that you have to get from point A to point B, but someone could really get hurt with one of these uh, motorized bikes on the sidewalk. Right. What if they don't hear you coming or somebody pushing a stroller and then yeah. there's a whole big thing. It's like you belong in the street. That's why you have a motor and wheels. Go in exactly. the street, please. Go into the street, please. <laughs> straight up, straight up like that. Now, one of my last questions that I have from you for you today is, what is one thing that you would like to leave the listeners with just as a piece of advice or a life jewel or just something very important that you would like to express? I want to leave that open for you. Whatever you have on your mind or whatever you feel like is important or people take something from, what is one thing that you just want to leave the listeners with today? I would say uh, to love each other. I would say there's a, a lot of power in love. And uh, what I do, I pour a lot of love into. And it's found me success. And, um, you know, find your find your true aspiration. Take some time to reflect on that. And if you can, spread as much love as you can to your fellow humans. Great. Great. That's a great message. That's a great way to just top it off. Um, first, let me say thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for uh, displaying your experience and your motivations with what you do in the community. Thank you for being a beacon for the community. Thank you for all the hard work and sacrifice that you do just to provide something for the people that live here. I really appreciate you coming on and spending some time with me. I want to roll it out for you. I would like for you to reiterate your name, your creation name, and all of the places that the people can reach you. Awesome. Well, my name is Brandon Montez, and I'm the street librarian. Um, I'm the founder of the Norwood Community Library. And if you'd like to get in contact or follow for more updates on Twitter, it's Norwood BX Books. And on Instagram, it's Norwood Community Library. And um, let's, let's read together. Awesome. Awesome. And it is tradition around here that we allow our guest to play a song that we end our podcast with. So, Brandon, the honor is yours. What song would you like to play for the good people out there? Well, the Norwood Community Library, like Wu-Tang, is for the children. And uh, it was for everyone, really. So <laughs> I thought it'd be appropriate to end it with Street Knowledge by Ghostface Killer. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Brandon, and spending some time. I really appreciate it. And keep doing all of the great work that you were doing in the community. So many people are impacted by it. And it is such noble, such noble work that you are doing. And I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, continue. Keep on uh, doing what you're doing for the Bronx as well. Round of applause for Brandon Montez, the street librarian. Round of applause. <laughs> Lastly, before we get out of here, I do want to reiterate what Brandon had mentioned on the show um, about a hearing in New York for young people to get involved with voting. Um, so I'm reading this from the Norwood News, which is where he also sourced this from. The headline reads, 
Young New Yorkers invited to testify at public hearing on voting on August the 18th. All New Yorkers aged 14 to 25 are invited to provide their thoughts and concerns about voting and local government at a public hearing streamed live on the NYC Votes Facebook page. The third annual We the Young People Youth-Led Voter Assistance Advisory Committee hearing is scheduled for Wednesday, August 18th, starting at 5.30 p.m. All New Yorkers may RSVP in advance to view the hearing live. Young people who are interested in testifying should contact Olivia Brady, the youth coordinator for NYC Votes, at O-B-R-A-D-Y at N-Y-C-C-F-B dot info. Quote, youth voices are often excluded from conversations on civic participation. So we've created a space that centers and uplifts the experience of young, civically engaged New Yorkers, said Brady. All feedback at the hearing will guide NYC votes, youth outreach and programming over the next year. During the hearing, members who want to hear directly from New Yorkers about their experiences on voting and local government and to receive their recommendations on how to improve youth outreach efforts. Elected officials, their staff, and candidates for office are also invited to attend and hear from the youth testifiers. There are two ways to provide testimony, either a spoken statement provided live during the hearing or by submitting a pre-recorded video, written, or creative testimony. For instance, New York City's 2021 Poet Laureate, Serena Yang, will perform a spoken word poem as her testimony. All testimony should convey feelings or experiences about voting and New York City government. After the hearing, all testimony will be shared publicly on the NYC Votes website, voting.nyc. So that's just a small piece of the article. I felt it was the most the most important part, the most important parts of it. Again, there's a it is a public hearing on voting that will be held on August the 18th at 5.30 p.m. Um, via the New York City Votes uh, Facebook page. So if you guys want to participate in that, um, I think that is very important. Very thankful for Brandon for mentioning that on the show. And um, remember, if you're a young person out there, make sure your voice is heard. That's important. That is important stuff. It's always vital for the youth to tell certain people, especially people who are elected officials, what are the problems that we are facing? Because just generally speaking, they wouldn't know. Or even sometimes they don't care. So you have to sometimes make your presence felt and known. And I think it's a great uh, opportunity for people out there who have some concerns about voting or have concerns about local government to have an opportunity to speak their minds about it. So I thought it was a great resource. Again, thank you to Brandon for mentioning that on the show and i just wanted to reiterate it um so if you guys are interested um that is something available to you and voting is so so freaking important man it is so important and it's so uh necessary and it's great to have an opportunity to learn more about it and also to speak your mind about it so great 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 um opportunity if you are interested great opportunity if you're interested and that guys will wrap it up episode number 71 of the bronx bias podcast is in the books i'm your host once again my name is denzel 
Thank you once again to Brandon Montez, the street librarian of Norwood Community Library for coming on the show, for giving his experiences and for giving out great, great, great information. I really appreciate the time he spent with me today. Thank you to all you guys out there who tune in, who like, who subscribe, who share and who support. Thank you to everyone who is active and engaged with me on social media. I truly, truly, truly appreciate all the love and the support I receive from y'all on there. Um, please do not forget your boy Denzel has official Bronx Bias podcast merchandise available for purchase. You can visit the website bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com. Um, I got hoodies on there. I've got t-shirts. I've got tote bags. I've got COVID masks and I've got stickers with much, much more to come. Again, I'm an independent potter from the BXNY, and supporting the merch is just one of the best ways to help keep the podcast going the way that it is so I can run it the way that I want to run it. I'm not a sponsored guy. I don't have deals or anything like that. So supporting the merch is just a great way to help keep the merch, uh, to help keep the podcast going the way that it is. Um, and it's very, very helpful and impactful for the show. And I sincerely, sincerely, sincerely appreciate every single person who has gone on and purchased some merchandise from me. Um, it's very, 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 very uh, uplifting and it's inspirational. And I truly, truly appreciate you guys who do that. And I'm going to fade you guys out with a great, 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 great song today, which is my guy, Brandon Montez's Choice. And it is called Street Knowledge by Ghostface Killer featuring Tree off of the album Sour Soul. And this has been the Bronx Bias Podcast, episode 71. Have a great week out there. Have a great weekend. Be safe. And I will talk to you guys next week. We are out. Crazy summer, moved on up, five as a runner, that or a shooter Who I'm around, Larry Hoover's wanting no block These is the projects, let me screw your top of the day Thermometer high, niggas a Shupra and be up More gunshots than them for you to call it Chirac Energy lines, no time to lie back, want to my back Get a real junkie to test the product, hold out your spot Warm up the pot, let it rock up, stay on your ground Get that shit jumping, start off with dams And on the weekdays, take 25, give them all three bigs Within the week Money, the cliche. Come through bump when you hear that he say they all say that he paid and now people wonder what he made. And if he weak uh -huh. A, can he be Rob B C now you gotta go mob D Street knowledge. We putting these books to the test. We putting two to the chest for niggas who rock best. Food for the thought, spitting out birds for sport. In these streets, you better walk the walk or come up short. Street knowledge, we putting these books to the test. We putting two to the chest for niggas who rock best. Food for the thought, spitting out birds for sport. In these streets, you better walk the walk or come up short. Don't let your mouth get you out to the box, up in the cage. On some brute high shit, bitches burning bundles of sage. Your crack rock too pure, they gonna set you up. Chain too big on your neck, they calling you king tough.
touch, trust no one You sweat bands, just knock IDs And run for the hills if you hear anybody yell freeze Stash your cheese better, them shoeboxes don't work That's an old school shit, like money in the mattress Bitches is actress, just screw them and leave Then fuck up your whole operation like Adam and Eve Don't play the rooftops, change the color of your blue tops And them baggies with the smiley faces, get new stocks You can't run in skinny jeans, surfings by any means Sprinkle coke in the dust blunt to spice up Greens, this is school and street gems from your boy Toniano. You wanna check for a nigga slide across the yeah. Verrazano. Street knowledge, we putting these books to the test. We putting two to the test for niggas who rock best. Food for thought, spitting out verbs for sport. In these streets, you better walk the walk or come up short. Street knowledge, we putting these books to the test. We putting two to the test for niggas who rock best. Food for thought, spitting out verbs for sport. In these streets, you better walk the walk or come up short.